to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Derek Van Riper here with Michael Beller. It is Friday, June 26th, and today is a special episode of this show because we're going to do this by committee. We have several guests lined up, and leading off for us today is the lead host of your absolute favorite podcast in the world, Under the Radar. It's Nando <laughs> DeFino. What's going on, Nando? What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. Thank you for your patience. In uh, letting me do the interview for that story first, and then jumping on here. I'm uh, excited. I'm not going to reveal what the story is about. I I think it's a very Nando sort of story. One of many (laughs) things, though, that I'm excited about. I mean, look, hey, we're finally trending toward a season. This is the first Friday podcast we've had in more than three months where there was some kind of idea of when this season was going to begin. It's going to be 60 games. It's going to be, you know, obviously still played in a pandemic, so there's a lot of things that could still unravel with the plans to play it. But I think you have the right mentality with all of this. You kind of have an embrace the weird mentality in general. And I think this season lends itself to just trying some very different things strategically. So as you've been thinking about how this season is going to take shape, uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I think the chaos of it, actually, man, like, a lot of people are approaching this like you kind of intimated, uh, like this this kind of, like, old-fashioned, stoic, like, preserve the fantasy baseball traditions, and I mean, like, anyone who's doing that, I think you, you automatically have an advantage over, because there's going to be nothing normal about this year. I mean, maybe you can look at guys who have skill, and just kind of, like, like, a Garrett Cooper who didn't have a role, and be like, well, this guy had skill, so I like him, and I'm going to put him in and just hope for the best, but, uh... I think the chaos of it all, man, like every day is going to bring some weird new thing and like some crazy report about someone, you know, maybe not playing because they, they don't feel safe after like 10 games or not wanting to go to Texas because they're allowing fans in the stadium. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm looking forward to just like this complete unknown and unpredictability that we're going to be looking at in about a month. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, Nando. I've been, I think I have completely exasperated the patience of our pal Al Melchior and uh, <laughs> my and DVR's co-host on uh, Fantasy Baseball in 15 because you know, he spends all this time, and God bless him for doing this, spends all this time putting together these elaborate rundowns for those shows. He thinks about them well in advance. Derek and I are, you know, we're running around doing baseball, we're running MLB shows, doing football stuff, doing fantasy football stuff, and Al really zeroes in on these shows, and he comes to us with these really good ideas, and every time I just come back to him and say, I don't know what the season's going to look like, and neither do you. Let's just embrace how crazy it's going to be and not try to figure out the most perfect strategy for who has more value and who has less value in a 60-game season because we don't know what the hell we're talking about when it comes to this. There's a, this is still a random 60-game window, and any baseball player over a random 60-game window is liable to be the best player in the league or one of the five best players in the league. And so I just go into this saying, you know what? Chase talent, chase upside, chase dudes who you just like to cheer for and like having on your team and have fun with it. And I'm 100% with you, Nando. Do not try to make this like every other fantasy baseball season because this is not like any fantasy baseball season we've ever played, ever seen, not like any year 2020 that any of us has ever seen. So you got to turn into that and embrace it. So I, I love that mentality, man. I'd like to point out that I don't have an anti-Al Melchior stance. None of us do. I guess we're just an opposite. <laughs> Al, Al likes weird stuff, man. Like, it's, it's surprising that Al's being, like, the, the straight man in this one. <laughs> I, I've just uh, – I, I keep looking at, at rankings and projections. Uh, Jake Seeley's 
updated 60-game rankings just came out on Friday. Uh, I think Steamer was the first of the big projection systems that uh, made the switch over at Fangraphs. And I just see the clusters. Like, there's so little separating players throughout the player pool. There's going to be so little separating teams, even, if you look at projected standings. I think this is the ultimate do-what-you-want sort of, of season. You know, I think whereas previously over 162, you might be much more in tune with the find the fine differences between players. I don't think you have to worry about that as much anymore. I think all these questions that people keep coming up with about in-game usage, those are valid questions to ask. But until we see how teams are progressing through the ramp up to this season, I hate calling it spring training 2.0, we're not even going to know like which teams have pitchers fully stretched out and which ones might have to be using something that looks like tandem starters or maybe throwing openers in front of their starters as bulk relievers. Uh, so I just think you have to do what you want. And uh, going back to a conversation we had back in probably February, Nando, this is the kind of year where, you know what, if you do want to take Aaron Judge as a third rounder, fourth rounder, whatever, I mean, he's discounted because of the injury, take him where you want him. Like, what? what's the difference? This is This is the year of chaos. Yeah, this kind of plays into how I normally play the game anyway. So this is this is in a weird way. Like, yeah, I've been doing that anyway. Like, you, you can and you can justify pretty much. So here's the challenge. is like we, we're redoing the draft kit. We're trying to put out, like, you know, the draft kit 2.0. We're updating all the old stuff because nothing really applies anymore. Even, like, the most straightforward, these four guys are awesome stories uh, have to be tweaked a little bit. Um, you still got to give people something because, you know, one of these theories is going to – it seems kind of lazy if we're just throwing our arms up and being like, hey, do whatever you want. So we do kind of have to still like give some kind of direction. Like, I could see uh, park effects for over the Blue Jays play, how that might affect them being a good story. Um, but yeah, it's it, it really all boils down to um, everything's kind of canceling everything else out. And it is all right. So so here's a good, for the Aaron Judge one, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure Inside Injuries is going to give us a story about like, and this is not specifically to Judge, but it's to you know all these people saying, oh well, this guy's healthy now because it's July, or this guy's going to be fine, and you know it's August, yay. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. I think that, you know, that was a, you know, best case scenario with full training staffs and whatever, whatever. So I think that'll be one of the more interesting aspects to look at is what, like, these assumptions that we have that someone's going to be healthy might not be fact. You know, people might bump these guys up and Mike Clevenger's a bad idea because I think he's fine, but like someone who was supposed to come back mm-hmm. July-ish, James August-ish. Paxton. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Uh, might not be, you know, that timeline might have changed, man. Everything was shut down for three months. And, you know, people with elective surgeries were, were off. You know, like, I don't know what the rehab situation looked like. These dudes are doing it at home in their pools. Um, so anyway, stuff like that I think we could still pay attention to. But, yeah, I'm, I'm like, gleefully just kind of, I'm ready to, like, I'm signed up for a best, uh, best ball 10 and just waiting for it to fill at this moment because I just want to jump in and just do some crazy things and see what it looks like. <laughs> it's the year to do it. It's definitely the year to do it. And uh, you mentioned us uh, relaunching our draft kit. So please do go and check that out. All of us, uh, me, DVR, uh, Nando, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley, you know, Saris, we're all going to have tons of stuff over there. Uh, other people as well. And Nando, one thing you wrote is actually something that is uh, something that I'm going through right now. I am the uh, commissioner of my home league. It is a 14-team auction-based keeper league where we can uh, sign guys to contracts where after you draft them or after you first auction them, blah, 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 you can end up having them for as much as seven years. Um, and obviously, we don't want to burn those contracts this year. So we are 
putting that season on hold and me and the two nice. guys who I lean on uh, for to talk to about this stuff in that league. We've been having these conversations for probably about a month now about how best to do it. And hey, and you go to The Athletic and you wrote something about that, calling it uh, the Jurassic Park plan, encasing your keeper leagues. Uh, what are your best practices for doing something like that? Uh, I think you just got to put it on the shelf. You know, there are like little weird exceptions, like forever leagues where there, there are no contracts, there's nothing. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it is like, you would think that the guy who has the best team and was going to win the whole thing this year would be like, yeah, let's play it out, man. Of course we got to play this year. But that dude is just in much danger of losing contract years and stuff like that and being bit in the ass by the volatility of a 60 game season. Um, so it's not such an obvious, like the best team wants to do it. Uh, and the worst teams obviously are going to be full of, first of all, they're going to suck, but they're going to be full of like keepers and good contracts. And, you know, someone who blew up their team in August or July, whatever trade deadline time, and got a bunch of youngsters and minor leaguers and these great like two dollar, one dollar contracts, they're gonna burn a year. So like it's in really it's in nobody's interest to play a dynasty league this year, outside of like you know like five ten percent of you know weird specific scenarios. Um, but yeah, I, I said like put that on the shelf, encase it in amber, like in Jurassic Park with a little mosquito. Come back next year, have everything just you know just dust it off and everything has been suspended and it's exactly the same, uh, and just run a side league. I'd even add you should run the side league on a different site. like just, So that's not even like a confusing other league when you pull down your menu on like CBS. So if your league's on CBS, go play on ESPN for a year. Check it out. You know, whatever. Um, but it's it's it just makes too much sense, man. I'm thinking too about, much to lose. Yeah. Well, it, it, sure. So I'm, I'm the commissioner of a keeper league that's similar to the one that Beller described where, you know, we keep 15 players. There are contracts. If you draft a player as a prospect, you end up having them on your team at a really low price, just like three bucks for three years before you extend them. I've got Ronald Acuna for $3, at, and I can have him at that price for an extra year if the contracts don't move forward. As the commissioner, I feel like I'm in this terrible spot where it would obviously be better for me to not roll contracts forward and I think what I've decided for that league is if the league gets far enough, if it gets into, let's say, like 40 games per team, so about two-thirds of the way completed and things were to stop, I think we're going to count this season, pay out prizes, and roll contracts forward. But if it doesn't, if it stops short of that, if it never starts at all, I think freezing the contracts is absolutely the right call. And at least that way, it's sort of just guided by whether or not the season happens. There's There's no perfect solution. And I think at the end of the day, like one thing I would just kind of preach to everybody is have fun with fantasy baseball this year. Don't lose friendships over you know, a commissioner or a group of people having to make a decision on rules in a situation that none of us ever thought we'd be in before. Well, I mean, you should have fun with fantasy baseball every year, DVR. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I mean, there's a distinction, I think. And I hate, like, I feel like I'm reading my column, but this is, I was just putting my thoughts down anyway. Like, fantasy baseball's enjoyable, and fantasy football is fun. And, like, this year is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy fantasy baseball for all the deepness of it all. The, the depth, I think, is the word. But, um, <laughs> you know, the machinations, <laughs> the trades, the plotting, that's enjoyable. That's not fun. Like, yes. this is going to be, f- like, machine gun fun. Like, just 60 days, mm-hmm. well, 66 days of just just crazy. Every home run means something. Uh, like, that's that's the whole point. That's why I think you just do a draft on a stupid other site, redraft, and call it a day. Yeah. It's like, what if the whole season was made of pennant race? Yeah, it's exactly what it's going to be. Right. And I mean, like, dudes are going to be just like, like, pitchers are going to be locked in, throwing harder. I bet you, like, two miles per hour on velocity on some guys, knowing they're only going to throw those 70 innings instead of 190. 
It's going to be incredible. Who's the pitcher who's most likely to just ramp it up, and why is it for sure Trevor Bauer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Bauer was, I assume from his Twitter stuff, that he was one of those guys who wanted to take that last deal in that 33-5 to five Yeah, vote. it seemed like it. Yeah, it seemed very much like it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, you know, one more question before we uh, let you go and move on to our uh, West Coast guys here, Brandon and Eno. Uh, do you have like a favorite rule that you're adding or trying to push into your leagues this year that wouldn't uh, be know, in a normal year? I stole it from Jake. Like, it's just for this year. It's, it's nothing like the K, you know, use K per nine instead. But Jake, for these leagues that have already drafted, Jake had the idea that you're allowed to keep 10. So if you drafted, like, February 25th, keep 10 of those players, and then everyone redrafts. That I, is, that was like, I, yeah. isn't that brilliant? That is brilliant. Yeah. God, I hate complimenting solves, Jake, but that's great. It solves every <laughs> single problem that might arise from a league that already drafted. It's, like, it's just so smart. And, like, uh, if you're not doing that, you're a fool. Yeah. yeah, that is that is a good way to say, hey, we're not going to throw everything out we already did. We spent the time on that. You know, you should be rewarded for taking players that you liked at, at things that, at a price that seemed fair. Let's not totally tear it down, but let's enjoy kind of leaning into some of the new things we, we know. And, and again, bring back that community, jump on a Zoom call, get together, and actually have a second draft day. Draft day is the best day of the fantasy season other than maybe the day you win the league. Like, that's about it, right? It's the only day that can really be better by comparison. Uh, but, yeah, this is, is going to be a season to uh, to embrace the weird. Uh, Nando, before we let you go, we gotta got to throw our secret word back out there from under the radar, right? We can, we <laughs> yes. can reuse it, right? Wilford? We should use Wilford, like Wilford Brimley. Hashtag Wilford, and Nando will answer any questions you have about the upcoming season. There is context to that. It's not the same secret word every week, but yeah, <laughs> sure, let's do it. A little give give Wilford an extra boost. Yeah, he needs a little boost. So, be sure to check out Nando on Under the Radar, of course, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast. That episode runs every Wednesday, along with myself and Ian Khan. Nando, thanks for making some time for us this morning. Guys, anytime. I'd love to do this whenever you need me. See you, dude. All right, we continue to move through our committee of guests today. You know, Saris joins us now, you know, of course, from Rates and Barrels. You've read his stuff on The Athletic. I mean, I host the show with him twice a week. So if you're listening to this show, you're probably listening to that show too. How's it going, you know? It's going great. I was up at the butt crack of dawn today. I was up in the middle of the night, really. Uh, so I've been up for a while. I'm, I'm midday, you know. Hey, all right. I don't normally get to talk to midday, you know, so I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about that. I, I didn't get up early. I didn't get up at the butt crack of dawn to watch your appearance. I'm not a good friend or a good co-host. No. I will watch it, you know, on demand, but uh, sorry, man. The DVR didn't, didn't even watch it. it. <laughs> the other DVR, the real the DVR in my house didn't record it, so it's oh, lost. All multi- multiple DVR fails. Uh, so... <laughs> The common theme of our, our show today is really just embracing the weird. We talked a lot about it on Rates and Barrels yesterday. There's so much we don't know about the upcoming season. But as you've had more time to let it sink in, like what excites you the most about a 60-game season? I think we got to lean in and just embrace the weirdness that'll be. You know, even if we get a good sense of how good teams are in 60 games, they're going to be so bunched together. I think like 31 and 29, you know, I think there's a, there's a, right now there's a zips projection where the entire AL central is going to go 31 and 29. <laughs> so I think that's fun. 
I think that means that Team Chaos might might uh, might win out in the end. I think we might have to have games 163, uh, not 163, you know, 61, 62, and 63 <laughs> uh, in order to sort this all out in the end because we're going to be so bunched together. But, um, you know, I also think that uh, some young player is going to just have a streak for the ages and hit like 390 uh, for the season. Uh, I think somebody is going to just swat a bunch of homers and and still get to like 25 even like I think it's possible even though that would be like a 65 plus pace. Um, just you know the the whole way that a season works is you know you're hot and then you come back to earth and maybe we'll get some people who just don't come back to earth. Yeah, I mean, any random 60-game window, I said this with Nando earlier, any random 60-game window is going to produce a ton of outlier performances, and that's going to be a full season for this year, which is just really fun to think about, right? None of us want to be in this position for multiple reasons, many of which have nothing to do with baseball, but now that we find ourselves in this position, there's going to be a lot about this season uh, that we remember for a a very long time, and it is uh, a great year to just embrace all of that. I feel like we keep saying the word embrace, but that's the way to, that you really have to uh, feel about this 2020 season. We are circling back to our draft kit. That's part of the reason why we wanted to have all you guys on this Friday edition of uh, the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast to remind everyone that, hey, we've still got a draft kit. If you're going to be drafting over the next three, four weeks or so, uh, we can definitely help you out. You've got a piece in there, starting pitcher strategy guide for this strange fantasy baseball season. Your first piece, you're going to have plenty more pieces to come over the next couple of weeks. Uh, But how are you attacking the starting pitching position in leagues where you are, whether it's drafting from scratch, redrafting? How does it look different than what it looked like a couple of months ago? Yeah, I think the top pitchers are still a decent bet. I'm a little worried about injuries this year. Um, So I'm not really I'm not really a first round starting pitcher guy. Uh, but in the second and third, I can be convinced to make that investment because, uh, top pitchers are still the most efficient. They go into the games the longest. Uh, they, they more likely to throw six innings at a time that we're going to see people throwing three innings and tandem starters and openers and all sorts of bullpen games. So, um, I, I still like the top ones, but in the middle, Everyone gets a down a notch, um, or the back end at least, and then the National League starters get docked about 5% for having to face the DH um, all the time. Um, and then there's a, a, a hefty strength of schedule component because in a normal season, you have 162 games, it kind of evens out. At some point, you know, uh, you visit some other team. You go to the American League West if you're in the American League East, and, you know, everything sort of... Uh, evens out in a way in terms of seeing good teams. But in this schedule, everyone's playing only in their division. And even if they leave their division, they only do the the same um, geographical division uh, in the other league. So uh, what it comes down to is the central, uh, both sides of the central are the best uh, places to go shopping for pitching because the central is the weakest in both leagues. Um, and they're only going to play each other. So uh, that's just a notch up, another notch up for Shane Bieber and Lucas Giolito and uh, Hugh Darvish and, you know, some of those other guys. So there's that sort of general, uh, that's the sort of specific to pitching thing. But I was thinking um, separate from that, 
um, in a conversation I was having with Ariel Cohen um, on Twitter last night, um, it, it makes sense this year, especially if you're, if you're going to do an auction, uh, to, to not buy the stars um, and to basically buy a ton of $10 to $15 types. Um, and the reason I say that is because in a 60-game sample, like you're saying, it's much more likely that um, like Brian Anderson plays like Nolan Arenado for 60 games, you know? It's the it's the 162 where Arenado's consistency and uh, and his quality, uh, you know, pushes him past that far past Brian Anderson. But in any 60 game sample, you could get Arenado esque performance from uh, Brian Anderson. So what you really want to do is collect as many of those kind of mid table lottery tickets as possible. Um, and I think that's true. I think that's true. I, also, there's not as many games for the really great players to separate themselves. So, you know, everyone, just like the teams uh, where they're all going to be bunched together at 31 and 29, uh, the players themselves, their production is going to be bunched together uh, towards the middle, except for these like crazy outlier spikes that are going to be like Ozzie Albies hitting 400 uh, for two months. So uh, that's what those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about uh, as the season approaches. I think this season is an even better example uh, or better opportunity to test out something that I've been thinking about throughout the winter and spring now. The advantage I think you can get in fantasy baseball might come more from projecting playing time and roles than it does from projecting performance. And as you squish lines closer and closer together, like look at Jake Seeley's projections, look at the steamer projections, players look really similar when you start to boil it down to 60 games Mm -hmm. being able to identify guys who are locked into a prominent spot in their order guys who will not be platooned with slightly expanded rosters that to me is where you're most likely to get an edge so I think Brian Anderson's a good example of a guy that that absolutely like ticks all the boxes and that he's going to play every day that he's healthy enough to play he has a prominent spot in the order and the skills are good enough for him to hold up against guys who are ordinarily going to be a lot more valuable. So I do think the projection of roles and the projection of usage is going to be what separates the best players from the pack this year in fantasy baseball. I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to. Setting weekly lineups. (laughs) Dude. What's that going to be like? Oh my god! You, I mean, in a deeply like AL labor, you're just like, ah, I hope they play. <laughs> but like, think of like a TGFBI or like a 15 team weekly lineup. Oh my god! You're just. I think I I may have to uh, pony up and purchase some sort of weekly projection system uh, because you know just kind of eyeballing it may not may not do it. Um, and, uh, and there's going to be such a fluctuation with the DH, with the extra roster spots. I mean, I was just talking to Mil- Melissa, Melissa Lockhart about the chance that Jorge Mateo makes the roster now as basically a Billy Hamilton type. Um, and if he's on there stealing bases, he's also, maybe he's viable in some deeper leagues, but he's also stealing time from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... If Ramon Laureano gets like four or five fewer plate appearances a week because of Jorge Mateo, 
you know, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it, it kind of can be. I mean, that's like a whole game's worth that we were just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have a game of Laureano for some reason. You know, if this ends up leading to a, a revolution in fantasy baseball where everyone embraces uh, daily lineups, then I would be all for that. Because I, I love, I, I, I'm like a fantasy baseball apostate. I hate to catcher. I like daily uh. way over uh, weekly. Uh, I want to be able to to make moves daily, to set my lineups daily. Uh, so, I, so I am all for an upheaval here. I'm 100% with you on both of those stances. Uh, the only thing I can say is that at some point you have so many leagues, you're kind of happy that some of them are weekly. <laughs> <laughs> like I used to spend uh, about an hour and a half to two hours like every night setting lineups. Um, when I was, when I was starting out, I kind of, that's actually what I used to do when I had a regular job was I'd come home and set lineups and kind of write while I was setting lineups. And that whole process would take like an hour and a half plus. Um, so maybe I play too many leagues, (laughs) 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 but I'm happy. Sometimes I'm happy to have weekly lineups. Not this year. This year is going to be a total mess. Um, but, uh. What are you doing, uh, Michael, about your uh, leagues with entry fees? And uh, how are you thinking about how much you want to invest in this season? Um, Most of mine, we're keeping them. We are just reducing, even if they've already been submitted. We're just like, so a good one, uh, uh, for for example, is a league that we actually hadn't drafted yet. And typically it's a $300 entry fee. This year, we we actually haven't landed on a number yet, but it's going to be like 50 or 100 bucks. And we're just going to play it out and pay it out and have fun with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's a lot to ask people to uh, contribute full freight from what we thought things were going to be back in February and March to what we know they are now. Yeah, I think, for example, I was uh, going to do my first NFBC team and uh, uh, I bought a $350 Rotowire online championship that's been refunded. Um, and now going back in, I think the most I really want to do is like sort of $100, $125, level. Um and uh, so, yeah, everything's everything's getting reduced, and some people are just begging out of the of the top end stuff because it, you know, when you're uh, when you're putting a like twelve hundred dollars into a team, like uh, like you have to for some of the NFBC teams, um, I think at that point it's almost you have to think of it more as an investment. Yes, you get some fun out of it, and so that's like a non monetary return, but you have to think about it as an investment. Really want to win and make money back. And in, in investments, a lot of times people just want to avoid risk, right? So um, I think it, it, this, is, this season is the embodiment of risk. Yeah, I think embracing it is the overarching theme and, and being kind of smart about where you take your shots and how you take your shots is going to be key. Are there any types of players that you are more interested in in a shortened season? Just thinking about what you were saying earlier, um, you know, someone might reach 20 plus homers, or even 25 home runs in this shortened season. I mean, like a Fran Mil Reyes type or a Domingo Santana kind of jumps out to me as someone that could actually do that. And in Santana's case, there's not much of a price at all. So is it the high variance power bats? Is it the young starters with strikeout upside? Are there other types of players you're looking at? Like what really kind of stands out to you is the, the risky profile that you really want to lean into? I don't know if they're necessarily risky. I think you're right. Like the low contact slugger, when I when I looked at, you know, people who've had crazy halves, you know, Chris Davis actually popped as having a a half season where he hit like two ninety with like forty homers or something. And 
that's that's what you're talking about. That that definitely exists. But for me, um, I my teams always seem to have a ton of power. So I think the thing that I would be excited about is finding some young players with good uh, with good strikeout rates. Um, that you know that kind of um, might hit 390. I mean, like Ozzy Albie's uh, pops as a as a guy that. Um, not to mention him more than once, but uh, he pops as a young guy that, um, you know, if something clicked uh, from the left side for him, um, I feel like he would, uh, he could have a really awesome, um, you know, half season. But uh, Cattell Marte, uh, you know, uh, even a guy like David Fletcher, like, do you think he could, like, you know, hit 390 uh, for 60 games? Uh, you know, then his value would be a lot different. Um, in the end, than his price, which is uh, pretty minuscule. All right, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think it's it's one of these things where we got a little time to, to work through it, and we're going to get more information, too. There's plenty of things we don't know. There's plenty of things we will know between now and when the season is set to, set to begin uh, July 23rd, July 24th. Um, it's, as far as timing of drafts, you know, we have this long window, but I think I want to wait and see who reports the camp and just how things are progressing for everybody involved in baseball health-wise mm-hmm. before making that commitment. I think it's going to be probably like that July 17th to July 20th range where I'm most likely to set up another draft and you know kind of focus on getting all the information I can leading up to that time. That's yeah. going to be kind of the sweet spot for me. Like, Where are you going it's- to be comfortable uh, going into that next draft phase? Yeah, I think that I think that's perfectly. I think I want to wait as long as possible. And I think the reason, the one last thing I wanted to say about the season is that, like, you know, if Mookie Betts strains a hamstring or uh, pulls an oblique and misses uh, three, four weeks, you know, that's half the season now. That's like a, a, a catastrophic injury for uh, investing in Mookie Betts. So for people who invested in him, so uh, I, I would say that, like. I definitely don't want to draft like this week and then uh, then they do something to their hamstring and even miss the first opening week of of of, of uh, the season because that's like a three week injury now, you know. Um, so, yeah, wait as long as possible for sure. And uh, the, the bad thing is that we're really bad at projecting injury. So this is going to be the source of chaos for everyone is injuries already a, a big source of luck in fantasy. And this year, it's going to be outsized when it comes to that. Yeah, it, it sucks that a hamstring strain is going to cost someone half the season, but that's how it goes. And when you're playing in an environment like that, waiting as long as possible absolutely makes sense. Thanks for making some time to join us, Eno. For all the listeners out there, of course, you're already reading his work. Check out that starting pitcher strategy guide piece that went up on Thursday. It's great stuff, and you can find Eno on Twitter at Eno Saris. Eno, have a great weekend. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, we're going to bring in our closer from our, uh, we'll call it our, our committee episode. That's what I've been calling it so far. But Brandon Funston joins us now. He's the deputy editor here at The Athletic for our fantasy coverage and an FSWA Hall of Famer as well. You probably heard him throughout last season on our Almost Daily podcast, which was basically the seed for this show. Brandon, how's it going today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. You're calling me the closer. I'm feeling like I might be like the Fernando Rodney of closers. You'll be on the edge of your seat during this. It's uh, <laughs> a, a box of chocolates uh, appearances for me. You know, anything, anything could happen. So uh, I want to set the expectations uh, from the get-go here. <laughs> Rodney's hype video is one of the best 
hype videos I've ever seen at a baseball game, though. The one he had when he was in Minnesota. It was elite. It was. You are, you are a student of hype videos because <laughs> more than anybody I've ever talked to, you mention players' hype videos more than anybody I know. Probably like three times more than anybody I know. Um, I know you had like a what Robles from the Angels, one of your favorite. Oh, that one was ridiculous last year. The White Horse and the Undertaker music. I mean, just totally ridiculous. And it's something that at some point down the road, I want to put together a story about it. I think the hardest thing is tracking down high-quality versions of every video. I'm going to have to reach out to teams right. or something just to compile them all. And there's got to be some rankings and a whole bunch of things we could do uh, with that. But uh, our theme on the show today has been embracing the weird right a 60 game season you know fraught with risk as a result of trying to play in a pandemic just gives us this sprint to the postseason hopefully we can get through 60 games hopefully this goes off uh, as we hope and it's kind of left us all asking this one question like what are you looking forward to the most in this shortened 2020 season um that's a that's a great question. Honestly, you know, I think the best thing to come out of this will be the universal DH, which I hope they have in perpetuity. Now, uh, I've never been, I've never been a big uh, NL, you know, traditionalist. The, the AL is different, and the NL, you know, the hitters, hitter, uh, the pitchers hit. Um, you know, especially in the advanced analytics world, where uh, the the idea of bunting and the you know the value in that people are you know have figured out that that's not really <laughs> that great of a thing um i think the universal dh is great i'm also like this season to me i've equated in fantasy football to like the fantasy baseball this season is going to be like playing every week of fantasy football like it's week 17 like where you have uh, you know, oh, maybe the best players aren't going to play as much in this in this week, and maybe they're going to play their young guys, and you know, and and like there's just all kinds, everything's on the table here, and I think it's going to be the ultimate sort of level the playing field in fantasy kind of a season because really anything can happen, and I, I really think it's hard right now. I think it's looking at how you rank players i just don't even know how you do it right now it's just so weird and and for me i i embrace the weird because i think it's just fun i like the idea of something different than the norm uh to kind of sink your teeth into yeah i thought you were going to go in a slightly different direction i agree i'm very happy about the universal dh i uh, love to see it in the national league i feel like it's never made sense ever since uh, interleague play began that one league plays with one set of rules and one league plays with another set. So I'm happy that we see it this year. I hope it's something that lasts forever. And there are generations of baseball fans who never knew anything but having a DH in both leagues. I thought, though, you know, you're sitting here, uh, Brandon, you're a Mariners fan. Derek, you're a Brewers fan. And I'm over here as the Cubs fan being like, oh, my God, you guys are such losers. You don't even cheer for a team that's won a World Series like the Cubs have done. And I thought you were going to say this is the Mariners year, 60 games. Anything could happen. No, I'm like I don't even think in sixty games the Mariners can contend, and I actually think what a, what a great year to tank. You know, you don't usually see that in baseball. I mean, every once in a while there's that generational number one pick that you're like, okay, like in football, you know, the whole suck for luck kind of thing, and you know, but in baseball, I look at you know, in baseball. I was just looking up 
uh, you know, next year's mock drafts on Baseball America and, and the two Vanderbilt pitchers. Uh, I think it's was it Jackson uh, Rock or Komar Rocker and, and Jack Leiter, Hal Leiter's son. They're like st- like stand above uh, the rest in terms of the pitchers that will be available. And that's right in the Mariners wheelhouse, those those college pitchers from the SEC. Um so, man, I, I would love for the Mariners to get one of the bottom two picks in the draft. And, you know, we expected this to be a terrible season anyways. It's going to have a big asterisk on it. Uh, I would hate for the Mariners to have just kind of like a weird, random luck season. Uh, don't get me wrong. If they end up winning the World <laughs> Series out of it, I'd take it. Yeah. But, like, I think it would be a waste to somehow just make the playoffs and, and, and phase out, you know, fade out in the playoffs. And then you, you're stuck with a terrible draft pick. I mean, I would rather just them you know, play to their ability, which is probably bottom two or three in the league and get one of those top draft picks. Wasn't that just last year that they started out like 12 and two or something? Like you- I, I, I think, I think you're right. I don't remember the exacts of that, but uh, I think that sounds, <laughs> you tell me right. they go 12 and two, the first 14 games this year, you aren't already getting those world series shirts printed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the funny thing, right? Like they are saying like, uh, you know, the Astros had a six game losing streak last year and that's the equivalent of a 19 game losing streak during a 162 game season. So these little, like, you know, these little mini slumps can be just catastrophic to a team this year. And I wonder too, like how much extra pressure teams are going to feel when they go into a little slide like that. Like normally over 162, you lose back to back series, get swept two series in a row on the road or something. And it sucks, but you, you know, you kind of just work through it. You can bounce back. There's plenty of time, but I could see a slide really snowballing. For a team and some good news for you too. I'm looking at the projected standings over at Fangraphs, and the Mariners are sitting right there with the Tigers as 24 win teams in this 60 game season. Only the Orioles have a lower projection at 21, so kind of looks like three clear cut contenders for those first two picks in the uh, 2020 draft. And I think the Mariners are kind of interesting just because they are starting to bring up a few young players. I mean, they signed Evan White to a long-term deal, even though he hasn't debuted in the big leagues yet. Kind of seems like Shed Long is going to get an opportunity to play a little bit. Uh, but I do think that I would be more excited to watch them in 2020 if they said, screw it, let's go for it, let's play Jared Kalnick, let's play Julio Rodriguez. I just don't see them flipping the switch on those players. I think it's going to be important to continue their development and let them be a part of that reserve squad. But have you seen anything that would lead you to believe that they would be ultra aggressive with Kalnick and Rodriguez this year? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think they'll ultimately, I mean, obviously they're going to carry them on the taxi squad. um, But I think as far as getting meaningful, you know, at bats and in real games, I, yeah, I haven't seen anything. I mean, obviously Kalnick would be the guy over, uh, Rodriguez, who's Kellenick's considered a little bit more of a polished product at this point, and so, you know, it's he's a pretty he's a pretty sensational talent. Both of them are, and who knows? I mean, maybe Kellenick, in if they feel like you know they can't you know ruin his confidence in any way, uh, maybe would be the guy out of those two that they would do that with. But I don't think they're going to go with a you know en mass bringing all their like double a level studs they have and and just pushing them out there. I don't think they'll end up doing that. It is going to be interesting to see how teams handle that with their top prospects. Obviously they're going to carry them on the taxi squad, like you said, but I feel like some guys are going to get pushed to the majors a little bit earlier than they would have if for no other reason to get them some 
you know, reps against real competition and not just be you know, spending an entire year working out so they don't play a real competitive baseball game for you know, a year and a half. I think you're going to want to get some of your, your bigger guys into that window. Um, you know, some of the stuff we talked about previously with Nando and Eno was just uh, having fun with this season and embracing it. And I personally think that that's something we should be doing every year, and I know everyone does. But part of that for me is always – going after guys who I just like, even if I am willing to admit that it's maybe a round earlier quote than they should be going. It's fun to have guys on your team that you want to watch, that you want to cheer for. Is there anyone that fits that bill for you this season that if you do have a draft that you pushed off or if you're trying to make trades that you just want to have on your team this season just for the sake of him being a fun guy to have? Yeah, I wish there was – there's no one really jumps out as a Mariner. That's I would think it would be a, a fun guy to have. It's weird, uh, you know. And that's that's where my fandom is. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't have anybody that I, I in in previous seasons I've definitely had those guys, but I've kind of just like, um, you know, I'm just sort of I'm with you. I'm just gonna embrace the weirdness, um, and I will. I, I, I it's funny. I don't have anybody that's really jumping out at me for that question, but. Uh, you know, as I dive more into getting ready to draft and stuff, I'm sure I'll I'll start getting back to having that you know handful of guys that I'll really be targeting. But uh, I've been so immersed in football right now that this is like this is like very early spring training for me. Yeah, there's one other thought here that uh, came up a little bit when we were talking to Eno a few minutes ago. Because players are going to be reporting to camp by July 1st, and the season's not going to start until July 23rd or July 24th. Do you have a tendency to want to wait until the last possible date, like that week leading into opening day to draft since we're dealing with such unusual circumstances? I mean, aside from implications of the pandemic itself, I mean, players could be ramping up quickly, trying to get ready for this season. It seems like we're in a situation where injuries are going to come out fast and furious. And if a hamstring injury can wipe you out for half of a shortened season, knowing as much as we can about the player pool before the first game and before we draft seems kind of important. So even though it's going to run up closer to more football drafts, are you more inclined to wait before drafting your leagues that haven't drafted yet? Well, I think that's our, you know, that's our normal refrain anyways, is like you want to draft your fantasy league um, as late as possible. We say that all the time. And, and really it's just our enthusiasm for wanting to dive in into drafts and stuff that gets us into drafting earlier. But like we know that from a, you know, from a prudent standpoint, you always, even in normal times, want to draft as close to the season as possible so you have as much information to work with as you can. So I think more so than ever, you're absolutely right. As late as you can push that thing out um, before the season starts to draft, I think is just going to be uh, the smart play, absolutely. Nando, I've, or <laughs> Brandon, I've got, the, I've got the answer for you. If the Mariners, you can cheer, two things you can cheer for. You can cheer for the Mariners to tank, and suck and get one of those top two picks. And then you can cheer for the Braves and cheer for Felix to finally get his postseason glory. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that for Felix. I just don't want him to somehow have some kind of, uh, you know, career awakening after, you know, we basically left him for dead and have him be a just a, a really big part of it. Actually, I, would, I, I do root for that. It would just be so... That would just be such a clear, classic kind of Mariners thing for a guy to leave after he was, you know, basically thought we'd put a fork in him and he somehow comes back and has a 
has a meaningful season. I, I yeah, I think the world of, of Felix, I wish him the best. Uh, I would just be a little bit salty if he was a big part of a brave, successful season. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I just, just got to be the guy. Oh, no, oh, it, I'm it, absolutely rooting for him, but and you can't blame the Mariners if something like that happens. I mean, the Mariners gave him as long, you know, as they could possibly. They've they've kind of, you know, they've absorbed some really lousy seasons these last couple of years from Felix. Uh, they didn't really have a choice, but uh, yeah, what he did early on, he'll forever be, uh, you know, a a very popular person in Seattle. Yeah, I, just, I wonder if, if players who might be in the twilight of their career, and he's not that old because he debuted so young, but I think of like Miguel Cabrera in a season like this, if those players can kind of find another level again just because of a shortened season, if the grind of, of 162, you know, that might have made it difficult for them to uh, even kind of make it look like they were where they were at their peak. Like you could kind of fake it for 60 games. You can get lucky for 60 games. You can't get lucky over 162, so I, I would like to see Felix kind of ride off into the sunset with a little more success, even if it has to happen outside of Seattle. Brandon, thanks for taking the time to join us today and uh, looking forward to chatting with you more and, and getting this uh, new draft kit up and running here in the days ahead. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the season. That is going to do it for today's episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave us a nice rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that. And start checking out the content. We're rolling that out each and every day. Jake Seeley's rankings already up for your enjoyment. For Michael Beller, Nando DeFino, Eno Saris, and Brandon Funston, I'm Derek Van Riper. The Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast returns next week. Have a great weekend.